John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. Well, the Seahawks are 4-0, and and so want to get your opinion on what you think about this 4-0 and start, what you're happy about, what you're not happy about, what your concerns are, uh, what you think can happen now the rest of the way. they got Minnesota coming up on Sunday night football, a bye week after that. So want to get your reaction. So give us a call at 866-979-3776, 206-421-3776. That's 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Get your reaction. Of course, I know that there's been a lot of negative reaction to the defense, and certainly the defense gave up yards, gave up 23 points, but also, in this case, only gave up one touchdown drive, and that was when the team was ahead by 15 points. And so get your reaction, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. What do we have on the, on the line? Well, John, before we get to the okay. calls, what did you what did you grade Seattle's defense yesterday? Not giving up the touchdown until very late and doing it without some key contributors. Yeah, and of course, I'd give it right now a B, B, B minus. I guess you could say because certainly it wasn't perfect. You know, but the big thing is they. And again, it was against a lesser offense. Let's let's be realistic about that. We know this is not a very good uh, Miami Dolphin team. We know this is a Dolphin team that uh, is going to struggle offensively and defensively, but the fact that here's a veteran quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they made the big stops at the right time. You know, they did get Devontae Parker. You know, he caught a lot of passes, but they only gave up, as uh, you know, Brady Henderson mentioned, one play that was over, uh, you know, 25 yards after giving up more than anybody else in the league last year at 13 last three weeks with 13 so that was encouraging and so i thought that that's going so uh so what do we have we got jermichael out in puyallup jermichael you're on with the professor hey jermichael hey thanks for taking my call hey john i was wondering what you think about this so i honestly believe the seahawks defense is going to be okay yeah if we sign uh david harrison honestly believe so but i honestly think that uh Jaron Reed is underperforming, and I honestly think the Seahawks made a mistake paying him all that money because I don't think he's like I think he's really I think he's a little above average. And also, um, what do you think about? Um, I think the pass rush is going to be fine once Daryl Taylor comes back too. Yeah. I was what do you think about that? Yes, yeah, so I, I disagree on Jaron Reed because you know. Uh, what what is the one positive number on this team? And the one positive number on defense is how few yards are being allowed by uh, you know on the ground. I mean they're they're one of the best teams in football on stopping the running game. Now of course part of that is because everybody's passing the ball like crazy, and part of it is yet Russell Wilson's been good at getting the lead and increasing the lead early in games. So I think that plays into it. But you know something you, know, you have Reed and you have Puna Ford. Now one of the things that I thought that uh, they did smartly yesterday was cut the number of plays that Reed had. I think he had like 65 plays week before here in the home game and against uh, you know Dallas, and so they cut it down to about 42 because here it is a big guy out there uh kind of going and so they got some good stuff out of uh monet he did some good things but no i disagree on reed and again you want to take care of your own i mean you don't want to let guys go and 11 and a half million is a shorter term type of deal if it doesn't work out hey but it's working out right now because the team's in first place and they're four and zero. okay i kind of i kind of okay let me say i kind of disagree you're an expert but i kind of disagree because all um He's a, he's a run stuffer. Right. You're a, a million, he's a, but he also, remember, he had 10 and a half sacks two, a couple years ago. Yeah, but how much, like, is this pressure numbers down from the pass? Like, how much pressure is he, we're getting really no pass rush. And I, and I think that the, the Seahawks paid him money 
with the potential of him becoming more of a pass rusher than a run stopper. I think we could find a cheap run stopper than to pay him as much money as we're paying him to stuff the run. Yeah, see, I disagree. I, 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 don't, I don't buy that because what you're looking at is that uh, he's a good football player. He's a good leader. He's a guy that, uh, you know, again, it's like that, that's more of a numbers thing than anything else. I mean, the pass rush is getting better. And if it gets better at the edges, particularly with Benson Mayoa and L.J. Collier and guys like that, then it's going to make it better for him. Because say what you want, I mean, he's paid $11.5 million, and I think teams are accounting for him. But also, it's like, hey, the sacks in the league are down right now. That's just a reality. Again, that's, an, that's a defensive stat thing that right now I, I just don't buy him. And again, the team still has a lot of work to do. Jaron Reed certainly needs to improve some things, but they are stopping the run, and he's one of the reasons for that. Hey, Jermichael, thank you for the phone call. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Taking your calls here, reacting to the Seahawks and their victory yesterday over Miami, 31-23. to Yeah, John, let's go out to Spokane. And Michael, you're on with the professor. Yeah, hey. Um, yeah, I think we found a little bit of formula for success. I, I like the improvement on the defensive side of the ball. We kept everything in front of us. We didn't give up any big plays. Uh, and we created turnovers. Uh, I think... Going forward, obviously, we want to make uh, consistent improvement. And look, we didn't have any preseason games this year. So, young defense, a lot of new faces on the defensive side of the ball trying to gel. Um, as long as we can see that consistent improvement, uh, I think we'll be fine on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but the, the cool stat is with plus five in the turnover uh, game, that's with Russell Wilson throwing a kind of a, you know, fadeaway jump shot pass <laughs> at the goal line last uh, yesterday. Um, you know, and our special teams are doing really good. So, you know, as long as we make consistent improvements on uh, the defensive side of the ball, again, what I what I saw was no big plays and turnovers. Yeah, no, no, no I agree. To, to winning. Yeah, I mean, they it's uh, a formula right now because the big one that uh, you know Pete Carroll stresses is win the turnover battle when you win the game. That's one of the big ones, and of course, uh, you know, they did get the running game going. What, what were your thoughts on the offensive line? I think the offensive line is doing a good job. Uh, steady, I mean, the fact that we have so many new players on the offensive line, three new starters on the offensive line, and they're gelling this fast with no preseason games. Um, I mean, they're keeping, they're running the ball very well. They're averaging a high number as far as uh, yards per rush. Uh, and Russell Wilson, this is, I mean, it's about the most I've seen him as far as time in the pocket. He has, it seems like he has all day to throw in the pocket. It's amazing. Uh, I'm really, really impressed with off the line. I give them uh, basically B plus A uh, as far as the work they've been doing this year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think that's looking good. Hey, thank you for the phone call. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN reacting to the Seahawks victory and the fact that they're four and zero, one game away from a bye week, and they can go five and zero. They're in pretty good shape. Yeah, John. Let's head out to Port Townsend. We got John on the line. Hello. Hey, John. Hey there. A um, couple things. I want to disagree with uh, a previous caller on Jaron Reed and agree with you. I think uh, he's a solid, solid player. We need him, uh, and uh, especially if we get more outside rush, he's going to be even more effective uh, on the inside there. So I agree with your comments on Jaron Reed. Um, I, I watched the game yesterday with much interest. At the end of it, I said, how do you think uh, we did? And I said, well, we... We had more hits than misses, uh, 
the whole game was kind of hits and misses, but we had more hits and misses, and so we won. Uh, my question, though, is if we play the same game next week against Minnesota, is that going to be enough to win? Well, I mean, let's put it this way. It was a better game than the first three in the sense that, uh, you know, they gave up field goal drives as opposed to touchdown drives. But, uh, yeah, it's still going to be a challenge because <clears throat> Kirk Cousins comes in here. You know, normally he's going to be a 4,000-yard passer. You saw that he put up the number of points that he did yesterday in getting the victory. And so uh, you got to worry about that. So they've still got to tighten some things up. But right now you've got the youngest group of cornerbacks coming in and so that cuts down the margin of error for for him, Kirk Cousins, because now if he doesn't get touchdown drives, they're going to give up touchdown drives. And that's a formula that's going to be very difficult. And, you know, Kirk has been up and down this year. And so we'll see overall if uh, they can do it. But, no, I think that, uh, you know, again, if the offense doesn't make turnovers and the defense you know, at least creates some pressure and you can create pressure against the offensive line that they have in Minnesota, then I think they have a chance to win. Okay. Um, any early word on uh, any returning uh, injured uh, d- defensive backs for that game? Uh, still going to be a game-time decision, I think, or maybe an early-week decision on Quentin Dunbar. Still don't know about Jamal Adams. I wouldn't be surprised if they kept him out. You know that Adams is going to campaign to try to get in the game, and so he could. I don't really see anything happening on Jordan Brooks because, again, that's an MCL injury, so they're better served to give him the extra couple weeks of rest and get him through the bye week and then get him back after that. So uh, you know, I think they have a chance on Adams. But the big thing yesterday, and, of course, I mean, Nico Thorpe might be able to come back, you know, Leno Hill, you would think with the back, he might be able to come back. And the big thing, they didn't add to the injury list. They did a good job of staying clean there. Yeah, if they can, uh, is our bye week after the Minnesota game? That is correct. Oh, yeah, if we can hold people out, because, I mean, they're not that good, and, and that gives our, our defensive backs two more weeks, mm-hmm. and then we're ready to rock and roll. Well, and then, of course, I mean, and, and again, looking down the line, and I know coaches look week to week, but Pete Carroll, I think, has enough people telling him to watch out, because remember, after they get them off the bye week, they have a whole bunch of uh, division games. Like, they have to go to Arizona, then they have San Francisco, and so those are the important games, and so as much as you want to win the Minnesota game to be 5-0, and you got to make sure that you win the division games because it's a tough division even though san francisco and arizona have struggled the last couple weeks got it very good thanks john all right thank you and thank you for their phone calls and uh listen to the show on the 710 sports app it's powered by the dubin law group coming up next we get out the report card it's the john clayton show 710 espn seattle it's time for the report card with the professor. In the report card, we get out each day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories. We take the anecdotes. We take all the different social media comments. We take the voices, and we attach a grade to it. And Curtis Rogers is back to give us the report card. I am, John. We've got a lot to get to on today's report card from a packed week of NFL games. And let's start in Houston, a team that was rumored to have interest in Earl Thomas. They're 0-4 now. Things are not looking good. Bill O'Brien not relinqu- not relinquishing the play calling duties though. Uh, he's still going to be uh, the head coach, the GM, the O coordinator. Uh, he'll probably get another promotion somewhere along the way too, for whatever reason. But get this, John. They had interest in Earl Thomas last week. That appeared to have fizzled out because, according to CBS's Jason LaConfora, the Texans players are said to have voted against adding Earl Thomas. Imagine being zero and four. And saying, you know what, we're better off without a future Hall of Famer on our team. You gotta wonder, John, has Earl Thomas burned too many bridges in the NFL right now? Certainly, it looks that way. I mean, that's uh, you know, 
to, to, to get that kind of reaction uh, is, is just staggering. You know, because, again, what you're looking at is a, uh, a very talented player, but that's now two teams, and I guess you want to say Seattle wouldn't be the players, but it would certainly be the organization. That would be three teams that have voted him out. So it's not a good situation because, they, I, you know, they made it sound like it was a COVID problem, but now, as we find out from Jason Locke and Floor, it wasn't anything about COVID. It was basically they don't want the guy. The players don't want to have him as a teammate. And so you've, if you're him, you've got to be really concerned because getting back in now it looks to be more difficult than you can imagine. Yeah, it's going to be very tough, I think, for Earl Thomas to find a job at this point of the season, at least a job in, in the price range that he's looking for. I mean, if he you know, takes his asking price down to the league minimum, I think teams will come flocking because obviously you'd take a flyer on somebody with that level of talent at that pay price. But right now, I don't think there's any team out there that would be willing to take Earl Thomas in. Uh, even the Cowboys, a team desperate for defensive help, have mm-hmm. pretty much said, you know what, we're better off without Earl as well. Oh, yeah. Speaking of former Seahawks, John, did you catch the end of the Rams-Giants game yesterday? Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate, the former Seahawk, had to be separated at midfield following the game yesterday, and there's a lot of history between these two, apparently. Jalen Ramsey was once in a relationship with Golden Tate's sister. They have two kids Together, uh, Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate's sister broke up while Tate's sister was pregnant. Uh, Golden then, in the offseason, said he would lay hands on Jalen Ramsey the first time he got the opportunity to. Sure enough, he did on Sunday. Uh, How are we grading this... I guess, drama spilling out onto the field. Yeah, I, I, I mean, just from the story standpoint, it's an A, but I think from reality, it's got to be a C or a D because it's bad vibes, and you feel you know bad right now for you know the uh, the person that Golden Tate left. He didn't do the right thing, and that's not good. And so I have to think right now, it's more of a D than anything else. And, of course, to take the personal issues on the field, that's not a good thing either. No, it's it's very um, very like WB network drama that you would see out on the field there yesterday between the Giants and Rams. Joe Judge, the head coach of the Giants, was asked about the uh, the brouhaha following the game. Here's what he had to say. You know, I got to see and find out the details right there, Dan. I don't, I don't have anything right there, uh, not yet anyway. Obviously, we want to do our fight in between the whistles for 60 minutes. I don't know all the details, so I'm going to hold and reserve comment on that until I find out everything. Yeah, Joe Judge seems like somebody you wouldn't want to really ruffle feathers with. He might blow a gasket or two, and and as we know, Golden Tate has never been one to uh, let the pot settle. He's been one to to really stir it up, and uh, yesterday he definitely did that against the Rams. So that is on the report card. Also, John, Raiders quarterback Derek Carr following their loss to Buffalo yesterday he set the team record for touchdown passes in a career, breaking Kenny Stabler's record. Uh, but Carr, definitely not satisfied. I'm sick of losing, Levi. I'm sick of working as hard as, as, as I do and as we do and going out there and, and losing. I mean, it's, it's, it sucks. Enough is enough. You know, I think that's my message. You know, I'm excited, you know, obviously for that. I dreamed of it when I got drafted here. I looked all those stats up and was like, man, I want to break all these, you know. Um, as a competitor, but I'm sick of losing. Like uh, enough's enough. I'm tired of it. Now, John, the Raiders are two and two. They were two and one mm-hmm. heading into yesterday's game. I mean, they haven't done as much losing this year as in years past. So, what do you make of Derek Carr's comments? Uh, frustrated, and I think that uh, 
you see the back and forth frustration that's there with uh, you know John Gruden and that. I mean, <clears throat> big advocate and happy for, and you know that you know they did <clears throat> pay a lot of money to get Marcus Mariota to come in there and maybe help them out at this position. But uh, yeah, I, I, it, it's concerning. But there just seems something amiss with this whole situation. Wouldn't you agree? It does. Yeah, I wonder if Derek Carr has kind of been. You know, reading the headlines, especially after they signed Marcus Mariota this offseason, kind of wondering when his time is up in Vegas, whether or not John Gruden's going to stick with him long term. Uh, I think Carr feels as though he's done enough to, to keep his job, but as we all know, John Gruden, you know, he wants his own guys there, and Derek yeah. Carr was not his own guy. And uh, I think the Raiders right now are kind of in this this sort of interesting spot they find themselves in is they want to build a contending ball club because they want to fill up that new stadium they've got. They want to, you know, make themselves a contender in the AFC. Can you get there with Derek Carr as your quarterback? I mean, he says he's sick and tired of losing, but at the end of the day, he's been there for all the losses. Uh, I wonder who who's more to blame for all that. And then finally, John, on the report card, the NFC East is the <laughs> NFC least. They are so, so bad. Even after Philadelphia's win yesterday, their combined record to start the season over the season's first four weeks, three wins, 12 losses, one tie to start the season. Last year we thought it was really bad in the NFC East. I believe they had the fewest wins combined of any division in NFL history I think they could easily break that this year, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. But, of course, I mean, that's the thing that's so bad is that I think, what are they, 2-11-1 in non-division games? Oof. That's horrible. I mean, that's just amazingly bad. And so, yeah, it, this is a record setter. Now, again, you expected it with the uh, Redskins. You expected it with the Giants. They're bad teams rebuilding around young quarterbacks. You didn't expect the Dallas Cowboys to be giving up 36.5 points a game. You didn't expect that Philly, with their offense, would be struggling the way it has. You know, injuries has played a factor. But to be 2-11-1 in non-division games? That's incredible. <clears throat> That's an F. I mean, last year it was the NFC least. Now it's the NFC worst. Yeah, you, you can't get any worse than what the NFC East has been to start the 2020 season. And it's not like they're going into any hostile environment to play. There's no fans out there. So they're having you know an easy go of it on the road. You'd, you'd expect them to be better. But holy cow, 312-1, you got to give them an F. An F minus, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of any... Worst start for a, a division in NFL history. And I don't know if it's going to get any better. The Eagles don't look good. Carson Wentz has, has been up and down this season. Uh, the Cowboys seem to be the team that I guess has the, the highest upside, but even their defense is so bad. It is all bad right now in the NFC East. I think they should just cut them out of the league for one year, bring them back in 2021, play with seven divisions. Yeah, have an opt-out. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. An entire division opt-out. I'm for it, especially with how bad they are. That's it for today's report. Okay, Richard. very good. Be sure to check out the professor's notes on 710sports.com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go on to Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line, take your text questions. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. 
It is time to go to the Busy Hard Seltzer text line to take your text questions. Text away at 710-710. Curtis, what do we have? John, this one from the 907. They want to know, what are the odds of Atlanta beating Green Bay tonight? Uh, I guess, I mean, you, I don't think very good because you look at that Atlanta defense and how bad it is, and they're really thin at the cornerback position. You know, I think what does help is Devontae Adams uh, is not going to be able to play. The game's going to be in Green Bay. But so far, Atlanta hasn't been able to stop anybody. And how do you stop Aaron Rodgers, who's averaging 40.6 points a game? Yeah, very tough to stop him these days. From the 253, John, they want to know, when do you think the NFL trade market will start to open up? Oh, good question. I think what it, it, at some point it will, uh, but what you're wondering about is that uh, you, you see these bad teams and when they start to eliminate. But also what you can see, because one of the things you haven't seen much this year is waiver claims. And I think a lot of that's because of the pandemic. And so, you know, I think... Teams are going to be a little bit gun shy on trying to, you know, do deals because, okay, if you get a deal, it may be Monday or Tuesday. Do you get them there for this week? There will be deals, but I think it's going to start to slow down a little bit. Two five three says, "Hello, Professor. Is Kirk Cousins having a worse season because Stephon Diggs is gone, or simply because he's Kirk Cousins?" A uh, couple reasons. I mean, you know, it seems like he's kind of gone back into. Although yesterday he didn't, and not getting the ball downfield enough. You know, Van Jefferson, I think, has started to come on, and that's kind of helped out a little bit. But he didn't do too much in the first two weeks. You know, I know that. Uh, you know, you got Gary Kubiak taking the blame on play calling, but when you have a back as good as Dalvin Cook who can get you 150 to 160 yards, you've got to do better, and it worked out better yesterday. But, uh, you know, I still think that he's in that stage like a lot of quarterbacks on teams right now that aren't playing well that you have to outscore teams because your defense isn't going to stop anybody, and that puts a lot of pressure on making mistakes. Getting a lot of texts from a lot of different numbers asking John about Ryan Neal and if you think he impressed enough to keep a spot on the active roster. Oh, I think so, yeah. I mean, let's put it this way. As well as he played yesterday, there's no way that you cut him because, again, he's got a spot on the active roster right now. But, I mean, uh, you got you got to put him on the roster. And so I don't know what that means as far as Leno Hill or anything else. But he played so well that some team is going to claim him if you let him go. From the 253, they want to know, is Minnesota's Justin Jefferson the Offensive Rookie of the Year so far? No, I think it's Joe Burrow. I mean, you can start to make the argument for James Robinson, the running back down in Jacksonville, but Burrow has put up such great numbers, some of the best numbers we've ever seen a rookie quarterback do, and he's done it with an offensive line that's just putrid. From the 509, they want to know, John, who do you think we'll see first in a Seahawks uniform, Colby Parkinson or Daryl Taylor? Uh... You would hope it would be uh, Daryl Taylor because, you know, honestly, you know, with the four tight ends that are on this roster, you know, do you really need to bring Parkinson up right now? I mean, they've got enough tight ends, but they need Daryl Taylor. And so no up, no progress update or anything like that. That's got to be scary. So it looks like he's going to be on there. But Parkinson, I think, has a chance to be healing better because, again, he had the same injury as Debo Samuel. And, uh, you know, that's one where it's a Jones fracture. So Technically, he could be there, but I don't know if they want to cut Luke Wilson because he's such a big part of this team. This one from the 206, John. They want to know, what do you make of Snacks Harrison's tweet yesterday saying he was watching Russ Cook? Uh, Tells me, I mean, he had four teams after him. This is the first team he wanted to visit. I think he signs. With Seattle. With Seattle, yeah. That would be a, a welcome addition, I think. A lot of people would get behind that one. 
From the 425, John, they want to know, what do you think is the biggest thing wrong with the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, I think they, they try to put too much on their defense uh, because, you know, they changed the scheme and the guys were comfortable with the scheme. Uh, but, you know, they wanted to be more complex. And sometimes, particularly in a year like this, you don't want to make it too complicated. And I think they've made it too complicated. And you have to kind of wonder how long are they going to put up with this with, uh, you know, a, a Mike Nolan, because Mike Nolan's got a 3 4 I like Mike a lot, but I think that uh, you know he's made a mistake by trying to make him a hybrid defense when they've been drafting for a four-three defense for the longest time. Two five three wants to know, John. Do you think DJ Dallas leapfrog Travis Homer on the running back depth chart? No, yesterday? I don't think so because again, you know they have to make a decision with Carlos Hyde likely back, likely back next week. Who's going to be inactive? And I think more than likely it's going to be uh, DJ Dallas. This one comes to us from the 425. They want to know which position group are you most surprised or impressed with in Seattle so far this season? Uh, I think it uh, surprisingly, I, you know, it, it's certainly the wide receiver group because, you know, you, you're getting so much more out of David Moore. You're getting something out of Freddie Swain. You got John Ursua on the, uh, you know, down in the practice squad. Uh, you see about Josh Gordon and where he fits in, but I think I've been surprisingly uh, impressed with the receiving core. I knew it was going to be good, but then you look at DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I mean, both are putting up Pro Bowl numbers. From the three six zero, they want to know if Houston continues to lose. Do you think they could be sellers at the deadline? I think so. I think they got to look at it because uh, at this stage, uh, it's going to be uh, it's one where you got to try to look and see where's where's it going to be and i think uh, you know they're 0 and 4 they're terrible on defense and you know it's funny i know that was brought up today you know what they ended up getting for uh Jadavian Clowney and they basically they got Jacob Martin who is a backup uh, and you got, uh, you know, Barkevius Mingo, and they haven't gotten hardly anything out of the third round pick. I mean, they trade Clowney and they get hardly anything. Yeah, they, they didn't, they did not play that one well at all. Speaking of Clowney, 253 wants to know how is that signing looking so far for the Titans? Well, I mean, okay, they're 3 and 0. I mean, he hasn't gotten any sacks, and I know he got, what, uh, a big fine for one of the hits that he made, so apparently that didn't go too well. But, uh, you know, in the end, I think it was a good addition. But the problem they have right now, when are they going to get back on the field? Because, you know, they didn't have any positive tests today, so they may be able to go into the facility Wednesday. And if that happens, then uh, they'll probably be able to play Buffalo. But this is going to be a big game for Clowney going against Buffalo because, you know, Buffalo is 4-0, and Josh Allen's playing great, and they need some pressure from uh, Clowney. But so far, I think they like what they see. Yeah, how many positive tests were they up to? About 18 or so? Uh, 18 in seven days. They had two. I mean, their first-round pick is still on the COVID's list, uh, and he's been on that twice and had a DUI. And then they had a practice squad guy, Greg Maven, that got on it. So, uh, yeah, they're a mess. Not good. From the 253, they want to know, is there any chance Bruce Servant or Marquise Blair will be available come playoff time. No, they're out for the year. It's an ACL injury. I can't. I see no timetable where they can come back this year. I don't see it. 425 wants to know, John, has the 49ers 2-2 two and two start changed your win prediction for them this season? Uh, I had them at 10, 
I think it might. It might take them down to nine or eight just because the injuries are so bad. Uh, I mean, they've lost almost their entire defensive line. I mean, think about the idea that they lose Solomon Thomas, Nick Boza, D. Ford's now on injured reserve. They still have a couple guys from last year that are still coming off ACL injuries that are still there. And then they had to add Ziggy Ansa, who they signed. And so what do they have left? I mean, they have Eric Armstead. You know, they, uh, you know, they have uh, Dion Jordan. Uh, is it is that enough? And right now the answer is no. Yeah, no Ziggy Ansa going forward, at least for the time being. So, yeah, they are not looking good no. at all right now. 206 wants to know, has Ryan Neal passed Delano Hill on the depth chart? Uh, maybe. I mean, you know, certainly. And that's, in fact, even thinking about this, the way that Ryan Neal played, uh, you probably you know, just take the tack that it's like, okay, Leno Hill, I mean, you, I mean obviously it changes if Jamal Adams is going to be healthy. But I think that uh, the way he played, I think you got to put him ahead of Leno. 509 wants to know, John, when Jamal Adams will be back and will it be before week seven? Debatable. I mean, I still think there's the outside chance that when in the big picture they may want to give him that extra two weeks to get healthy with the groin injury because, you know, if they can get by against Minnesota with a win and be 5-0, and oh, as soon as they come out of that, they, they go against Arizona, San Francisco, they get some division games that are so vital, and those division games are so important. Another one from the 253. They want to know, John... Could you see Alton Robinson making his way into the starting lineup at some point this year? Not the year? way that Benson Mayo is playing right now. He's playing well. I mean, so, you know, it's one where playing time, I think, will increase. Playing time has increased. But the way that uh, Benson's playing, he's getting pressure. And he's also good against the run. That's, I think, what people also miss the boat on. It's like, okay, it's great to have the pass rush. But also, if your pass rush end is good enough as a Leo to stop the run, and Benson's done a good job of that. This one from the Four two five. They want to know if Earl doesn't sign with a team in 2020, will he still collect his 10 million guaranteed from the Ravens? Mm, debatable. I think that's still going to be. You know, they're going to have to have a hearing on that because uh, I think they're probably going to bring up the idea that he had too many late meetings. He didn't get along with his teammates. He had fights. I'm sure they have video of different stuff that they don't like what he did. So it's still debatable. That's going to be a grievance that it's going to take some time to solve. And then finally, John, this one comes to us from the 425. If Clay Matthews signs for over $3 million, does losing Clowney make that worse? I don't understand. It's I like don't if, get it either. I don't either. It's like uh, it may, losing Clowney, keeping Clowney would have been great. It just wasn't in the cards. And, uh, you know, Clay Matthews, uh, we're now gone four weeks. A quarter of the season's gone, and nothing's being done there. It'd be great to get him, but at this stage, you know, I think he wanted five. But, uh, you know, he hasn't gotten it yet from anybody. No, and you bring up Clowney, John, and there was so much talk this offseason about K.J. Wright and David Moore, whether they would be used as, uh, you know, cap relief in order to sign Jadevian Clowney. Thank God that didn't happen because if not, I don't know if the Seahawks would have won yesterday because no. David Moore and K.J. Wright were incredible. Uh, so shout out to Pete and John for having the foresight on that. Yeah, and again, you know, and you know we sat through this the entire offseason and all through training camp. It's clowny or bust, clowny or bust. If clowny doesn't come back, this team's going to stink. It's going to be bad on defense. Sure, the numbers aren't good, but what's their record? 4-0. and Undefeated. Doesn't that's get right. much better than that. No. Doesn't get much better than the Graz. He's coming up next. And that's our that's daily dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby coming up next. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time for our daily dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. So, uh, 
I think you think that you know, we took phone calls in the, uh, a couple segments ago, and uh, you know, not too much complaints about the defense. Maybe one complaint against Jaron Reed, but uh, you know, for the first time in three weeks, you know, nobody's going crazy over the defense. No, they did a good job uh, on the road. Uh, they limited them to one touchdown at the end of the game. You were in control for most of the game uh, on the road against the team that you you should have beaten and you did beat. So I would think that it, and really very little in the way of injuries. So uh, from top to bottom, I think it was a week to be uh, to be happy it's over and and uh, feel like you got away scot free. Yeah, no doubt. And of course, uh, you know, Russell Wilson continues to be amazing in being you know at this stage. I mean, playing as the best player in football. Yep. No, no doubt about it, and, and he didn't have his best game, and he had his first truly bad pass of the year, but um, hit, hit the big plays when they were there. And, you know, I thought uh, it, was a, it was a nice uh, step-out game. I'm sure everyone's been talking about this, too, for David Moore, who, who I saw uh, someone do a comparison to Jermaine Curse, which I thought was interesting. Uh, he had an interesting role with the Seahawks and was able to make uh, impossible catches and, and, and was, uh, was productive in, in a special way. And, and maybe that's a good, good comparison for Moore, although he's got a ways to go yet. He's got to make some very big catches, but uh, he had a very nice afternoon, I thought. By the way, you know who that person was that uh, brought that up? You? That would be me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah it's, a good, it's a good comparison. Yeah, because, I mean, I know I, I, use, I, I talked about this with uh, Danny and Gallant, and I said that, uh, you know, Jermaine Curse, it was kind of fitting on the retirement week after, uh, you know, J- Jermaine Curse retired, because, you know, all, all you look at back at his career, all he did was make big plays at critical times. Yeah. And, you know, he was a you know, bigger receiver, but he wasn't fast. He was an undrafted guy with not a lot of speed. But uh, you look at David Moore, I mean, maybe a bigger thicker body but he's faster so it looks to me a faster version of Jermaine Curse and makes big catches and that was that was the key to big game Jermaine so it'd be a nice addition if it, if it continues to work out that way but uh, he he played well I thought um like like we like we talked about you know that they really was you know top to bottom a solid effort to get to 4 and 0 for the second time in franchise history and and have a real chance to go 5-0 and next week. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So I thought that that, that uh, worked out really well. And so now it's a matter of uh, trying to gut it up for one more week and get to the bye week, get guys healthy, and then start getting into division play. Right, exactly. Get, get a couple of those guys in the defense back and, and running a little bit. Uh, you've got a, a special year starting. You know, when you start 4-0, and special things can happen, and, and that's exactly what you want. So, I mean, very. I, I would think at the quarter pool, very little for people to complain about at this point. Uh, tremendous performance by Russell Wilson. I thought, you know, Chris Carson reminds you of, of the fact that he can be just a really, really tough running back and, and ran really hard, I thought, yesterday. And even he's not 100%. And, and you really you really have got, you know, it seems to me the complete package on offense going forward. Uh, you've, got a, you've got a lot of weapons. You're going to be adding some, of course, when Rashard Penny comes back and, and, and uh, Dorset if he ever gets healthy. Um, so you, you, you've really got a you've really got a nice looking offense, and and hopefully the defense can catch up a little bit. But there's not going to be the kind of pressure on the defense that there's been in years gone by. And you kind of get the idea that the way he tweeted yesterday, because somebody asked Damon Harrison if he was watching the Lions game, he says, "Nope, I'm watching Russ Cook." And so uh, he should be in town here, and I would imagine he could be in addition to the team in the next 24 hours. Nice solid uh, addition on defense, which is always a good thing, as we've discussed. No doubt, and that's what they need is like a, as much defensive help as they possibly can. And I know that you know one of the callers didn't seem to like the play of Jaron Reed, but I, I disagree because again, say what you want, teams aren't running on this team, <clears throat> and again, it's harder to get to the quarterback because of the way that they're playing this year. But overall, I think that things look good. 
keep them out of the end zone. It was, it was the best week for the defense for sure, you know, and, and considering the guys they were missing, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving too much credit for who they were playing. They're obviously were not playing an elite team, but you can only play who lines up in front of you. And, uh, and the defense had a, had a much improved day uh, with a couple of great individual efforts. No doubt. And, of course, a great individual effort. I guess you could say a great team effort was what happened over the weekend on Sunday with the Storm getting their second victory and now one game away from the WNBA title. Yeah, that was a great game. And then yesterday's Miami uh, Miami game was terrific, too. Boy, Jimmy Butler had a – I don't know if you saw it, John. He just had a, uh, had a fantastic, uh, fantastic game. I mean, it's a team with two starters out going against the Lakers looking to get the 3-0 and and – and everyone knows that Butler's the, the main guy, and, and he gets a triple-double with 35 points, plays great defense. Um, you know, the Storm uh, poised to do what they've always done when they've had a 2-0 lead in, in the WNBA Finals, which is win for the fourth time would be six. I saw someone tweet out 16 years between championships for two birds. So uh, the NBA is coming to a conclusion. And then uh, baseball divisional playoffs get started tonight with two nasty matchups in the american league yeah i mean certainly uh you gotta like the astros going against the a's and everybody's rooting for the astros because nobody likes or the a's because nobody likes the astros so that's good and here comes the yanks well i mean tampa and the yankees uh, nearly had a bench clearing brawl at the end of the season uh this is the first time they've met in the postseason there's a a lot of bad blood there oakland beat houston seven out of ten this year we'll see if that's that makes any difference going to the postseason. Tampa beat the Yankees 8 out of 10 uh, this year. So uh, two very good matchups in the American League uh, to, to start off the, the next round of baseball playoffs. So uh, it remains a, a very fun month of sports. And, of course, uh, next month you get got the Pac-12 coming out. They put their schedule out here in the last couple of days. They start November 7th, and uh, you know, it looks like uh, at the normal time where they'll have the Apple Cup, that's going to be you know, right around Thanksgiving. But uh, now that schedule's out. Yeah, that's, uh, still, still haven't gotten my arms around how that's going to feel yet. Um, I haven't been watching a whole lot of college football yet, although you know, they're, they're, they're now knee-deep, quote-unquote, in in, in getting things ready, and you know Washington's got an interesting when it comes right down to an interesting football team this year. They they obviously have a new quarterback, and and uh, it's yet to be determined at this point. They got an experienced uh, transfer from Sacramento State, and they've done some had some success with that. Uh, they've got a lot of guys back on defense, uh, including uh, a great secondary, uh, maybe even the the uh, a candidate for Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. So uh, new coach, but um, I think expectations are up there and. And, um, you know, again, I'm waiting to see exactly who comes back, who doesn't, how many guys get beat up in, in, in training camp and whatnot before we figure out what it's going to look like. Yeah, but, of course, at least we know we're going to have more football. And, of course, uh, you know, the scare still continues in Tennessee, although it eased up a little bit today. Well, you're today. not kidding, though, John. You, you know, you, you're right. It does. It continues there. And, and the thing is, is, is um, as we talked about last week, the NFL has got the least amount of wiggle room of any, uh, any of the sports. And, um they're kind of pushing it right now. So, you know, what they need, knock on wood, is is a nice, quiet week with no one testing positive anywhere for anything. Uh, you got the two Monday night games obviously going tonight, but, you know, you, you really can't – you've got some flexibility, but not the kind of flexibility that other sports have. And the NFL is trying to do it in a quote-unquote soft bubble uh, where you've got teams traveling, you've got huge traveling parties going around. So, you know, they're, they're – I'm, I'm, I'm hoping – but uh, they're definitely taking more chances than the other leagues took, although they've got their strict protocols in place and are dropping the hammer on teams that don't follow. It's, uh, 
it's it's kind of hold your breath time for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I think. But I, I I think again you have to kind of get the feeling there's going to be some substantial penalties against uh, Tennessee because there's uh, the question right now is that what's gone wrong that you'd had 18 positive tests in uh, seven days, no positive today, but uh, you haven't created your own bubble. I mean, you know, a simple thing would be, okay, guys, something's going wrong here. We're all going to the hotel, and nobody's getting out unless we go to practice or over the facility. And so uh, I'd have to think right now they're having a conference call with the GMs and the owners and the coaches and that. The protocol, something had to be breaking down there. Yeah, clearly. And and, uh, like we said, the NFL can't have it. They don't have the flexibility to to play around with, with, with too many teams struggling. No doubt. And, of course, that's our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Dave, enjoy the games tonight. John, thank you. We'll talk again tomorrow. Okay, and of course, Curtis Rogers, welcome back. And we'll be back tomorrow at 10. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.